Good evening, Life and Ball Podcast. We give your game life. It is Monday night, better late than ever. We're on the show to talk Michigan football, obviously. Uh, thanks for all of you that have listened. Obviously, have a over a thousand clicks. I appreciate that on Spotify. You can check it out, Life and Ball Podcast. Check it out, J File Lab. Some changes coming, though. Some changes coming to the show. Looking forward to it. Really going to dive into Michigan sports, and obviously, what better time to dive into it when you're champions? Yes, it's hard to imagine me saying that. I will be the first one to admit I was wrong. Coach T is with me. You can say it right now, Brent, for everyone. Rub it in. I, just say it. I told you. I told you. <laughs> so nothing makes me happier to say that. Coach T told me. I didn't listen. I said to everyone that was bothering me during the game, I muted plenty of notifications on my social media sites, especially for my Spartan friends. Um, and I just uh, wanted the game to be over before I said anything. Uh, I want to start off by mentioning a couple things real quick. This is something that is important. And I've been getting a lot of conversation from a lot of people shockingly a lot of former athlete friends of mine who don't like Michigan so I'm going to give them a little spiel here so they understand why it matters a little bit more for Michigan when we play the big boys this rivalry for most of us who have been alive always was the biggest game not only in the Big Ten but the biggest game in the world of sports let me repeat that this is the biggest game in the world of sports that day. Now, you can argue that and say, well, the world, okay, well, how about this? It was the most watched sporting event in the country this past Saturday. You ain't getting that when you play Ohio State. So I just want to make sure I get that off my chest. That's why That's it's called why. the game, not Michigan versus Ohio State. It's called the game. People pay attention to this thing. It matters. You can say that Michigan hasn't won these games. That's fine. You're right. Guess what? Ohio State lost a lot of games in a row, too. John Cooper, for all of you people who love tradition and history and facts, only when it suits your team. Well, I got news for you. John Cooper was 2-10-1. So when I was a youngster growing up, John Cooper was the laughing stock of this state. We knew every year we would beat you, Ohio State, even when we stunk up the joint. And by the way, when I say stink up the joint, meaning 7-3, and 8-4. So not terrible. This game matters no matter what, and this game has mattered to a lot of people. And there's a reason why the people on the Michigan side feel the way they do, because they have seen that success and they have been starving for it. And when it finally happened, it did feel like what Jim Harbaugh said, this may be the beginning to a new trend. In a trendy world right now, Michigan football is trending. And I just wanted to start off with that. I know we got a lot to cover here on the show, but I think people need to realize this. Like it or not, Michigan football is back. <laughs> it is back. And we have said it's been back a few times, but it is really back now because when you beat Ohio State, that matters. It makes uh, it official. It's official. It's official, official. Uh, now, I'll and say this on, beforehand. Not like the 6-6 six and six Ohio team. We're talking about a team that's trying to get to the college football playoffs. So that's why it's official. They weren't a mediocre team that we beat. When they were down, they were playing their best football going into that game. 
Yes, and I, I'm going to hand it off and finish with this. I'll let Brent take over as he had the inside view on this as he was present. I've been at this game present one time. It's it's something that you'll never forget, even when your team's bad. It's something you never forget. So I end on this, though. Michigan football, you have one job to do still. And really, you have three jobs to do, but let's just say one right now. Let's just pace ourselves because we could have a long – long December that's a lot of a lot of fun and very exciting. Don't be the brunt of all the jokes by losing to Iowa. Get the job done. You're better. Win that game. Go to the college football playoff. And then it turns into what do we have to lose? What about us? Brian, talk to us about the game though. You were there. You seen some pretty amazing things, I'm sure. Uh talk about the environment because you know, I don't think a lot of people that if, if anyone listens to the show not from the state, they don't understand just how insane it is. Uh, talk about your experience in your first Michigan-Ohio State game. It is nothing I've ever experienced in my life. Uh, I've been to numerous games. You and I have gone to some games before. Uh, and like those other games, numerous times where you're like you sit down. You knew right from the jump from 11 – 11.45, you weren't sitting down because the the electricity in the building was just off the charts. Like, everybody wanted this game so bad. And you know, hardly anybody sat, even sat down at halftime. Just 20 minutes of standing and just can't wait to see the rest of the game. And, like, as, as, a, as a big-time fan and just admirer of the school in – the, all the rivalries across the land. It was incredible because you could just feel the electricity. We come out, we get the stop, we go right down the field, or we, sorry, we get the ball, we go right down the field, we score, place is rocking, you can't hear yourself think, which is great. And then all of a sudden they get the ball and you're screaming so loud, but you can't even hear yourself because you get, I'd probably say out of the 111, 112,000 people there, I'd probably say 85,000 were Michigan fans. And everybody was on their feet screaming, everybody. And it was incredible. As I mean, five false starts, some miscommunications, even without the false starts. Uh, Matt Liner said it best today on uh, Twitter, I believe it was. I mean, Matt Liner, right, USD quarterback, that that place is no joke for an environment itself. And he said that was the best environment in college football I've ever seen. Thanks for the free plug, by the way. Uh, <laughs> free advertising and free marketing. No, I, I, I you said so many good things. I, I, there's really a lot I want to cover, but I, I just, man, to I'm going to let you go back again and talk more. But what I noticed was – there's only been a few times in my life. Cause look, I, I'll be honest. Michigan stadium is not like certain stadiums. You know, it's built a certain way. Everyone around here knows it. It's like a flat bowl. And then they build the suites now. So it's a little louder, but it's not a really, really loud environment. Typically there's been some games where I've been there where it's been insanely loud, but I think this is definitely the loudest place has been since 97. I mean, 97 was absolutely insane. Uh, it, it had the same feel. We have to win this game. This is for everything. We've got a lot on the line, and you just felt that energy. I mean, would you? I ask you. I want to ask you this though. When you were in the stadium, did you guys at halftime? Did you just stay where you were? Or did you try to take that long walk up to the concessions? 
Oh, we, we stayed. We we weren't we weren't moving because there were a couple of people that uh that left their seats and they couldn't even get back because everything was rocking, everything was tight. Nobody, if if you saw somebody leaving from you, people were moving down. Like everybody wanted to be as close as they could. So it's like we we saw that going on. And we said, "I'm not moving. I'm not even sitting down. I'm standing my ground." And hey, ushers, hello, ushers. Are we checking tickets here or what? I mean, I know it's uh, you know, there were you know, a, a couple individuals not that that were pretty close to us that kind of fell from a little bit of uh pre celebration, we'll say, some Buckeye <laughs> fans, and they had to be escorted out. Oh, oh, a little bit of uh, you know, they had a few too many pops, is what you're saying, yes, sir. <laughs> well. I can tell you, I mean, that environment, I mean, look, man, we've, we've been tanked out of our butts at that stadium. I mean, there's a few games where I kind of, there's a few games where I see here and go, I cannot believe I didn't get kicked out. Uh, 2009, I had season tickets. I have no idea how the hell we got through any of those games, me and my cousin, because I know for a fact that I was absolutely belligerent, a few of them. And I know Charlie Weiss has to remember us because we were ripping him a new one back in Notre Dame game. <laughs> How do you like us now, fatty? I mean, it was just, <laughs> I mean, it was insane. That place gets so crazy. Like, you know, I got people that are not from here that have went um, in the past years and they go, dude, it's like, you're shocked. You just don't understand what you're walking into because it doesn't look like anything really. And then when you walk in, you're like, whoa, this thing is a gigantic bowl of a ton of people just bashed into it. And, and like, I always think it's fun because for us, we get it because we've been living in our whole lives. It is one of the more iconic stadiums because of that, the way it's constructed. It's just different. Like you're going underground. You know, you're watching a football game down, and and it's just a weird feel. But it, but it does affect the noise, Brent. I mean, like, it, it's always been the problem where – my dad used to say it for years. It's, this place is it's like a, a choir. It's a symphony. You know, the, the fan base doesn't get loud. I start to feel a little different now, uh, perhaps. Uh, these, these Michigan fans are angry. They've dealt with the losing. It's been a lot of losing. And, and the players, which we'll get to the players here because they're the ones that push all this. But I got to give the fans a shout-out, man. You guys – you guys put it in, man, Brian. You guys put it out there, and you were loud, very loud, my friend. You know the best thing. The best thing about it, by far, to me, was like Ohio. They never embraced the noise or the energy of us. They were like trying to fight it. And what you see a lot from Michigan when they're on the road, whether it's uh, Wisconsin or no, um, oh, what was the other game? I can't remember, but Nebraska when they were playing their songs, jump around or ACDC for Nebraska, the Michigan football team on the road embraces that energy and uh, it fuels them. And it, it seems like Ohio was trying to act like, Oh, this isn't nothing. This doesn't phase us, but clearly they were, I mean, five false start penalties, but I'll say this, it does help when you have 97 and bearing down on you every single play. They're like, oh, I got to get off the ball and block this guy. So, I mean, that, that's, that's a big part of it too. The yeah, no, part. I, yeah. Before we get into the big stuff, I think what the Ohio state people are dealing with right now, Nick Saban just talked about this to, to his, uh, 
know, to his media crew. And he, he pretty much called out the fans, which Nick Saban does this a lot. And he said, you know, we're, we're so spoiled here. And, you know, it's not easy to win. We need to embrace, you know, winning more. You know, people just expect us to blow everybody out. And when we don't, then something's wrong. And that's not fair to the players. Well, I have zero sympathy for Ohio State people. And I hope you guys had keep the same attitude for the rest of your lives. I think that they're spoiled. I think that what happens is, I mean, I'm going to tell you something, Brent. There's going to be a lot of things that are said today. And I, and I hope it rubs Ohio State people the wrong way. You want to know why? Because I'm not scared. And that's the thing that was brought up a lot to uh, by the Michigan end this week is we're not going to be scared of them like everybody else is, hmm, like the week before. Uh, you know, Michigan comes out in this game even when they're not as good. And they think they can win. You know, you, you, you can say all you want. A lot of wins for Ohio State in the last 20 years. I get it. But let's not forget that Brady Hoke's dudes battled these guys, man. I mean, there was a few times where, you know, Urban Meyer was – you want to know why Urban Meyer has these migraines and needs to get grinded on a lot? Because Brady <laughs> Hoke Brady has a huge say in those migraines. I mean, 2013, that dude was crapping his pants when Brady Hoke said, Let's go for two. Devin Gardner <laughs> threw the pick. Yeah. <laughs> and then, by the way, Brady Hoke, Al just maybe a little better two-point conversion play. But right. uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. This had the same feel as 13 as far as we were going to fight you in the locker room. We were uh, I got there. The- Devin Gardner played his ass. If I don't want to say yeah. Devin Gardner as he threw a pick. No, he, he played amazing. That's right. A- 427 yards, I believe. I'm probably a little off number. It was so long ago, and I don't look up stats like that. I usually just go by memory. And I know he was over 400 yards, though. But I or over 400 total yards. No, it might have been even close to 500 total yards of offense. He was insane. But the fact is this. Ohio State people, Michigan, there's a new attitude right now that's happening. And that new attitude is, screw you guys. You ain't all that. We're just as talented as you. We're just as good as you. And I'm going to tell you where it's come from. It's come from the new coaches. And it's in and it's energized Jim Harbaugh, who has a lot of fire in him too, by the way, from some of the things he said that we'll get to later. But I think the new coaches lit the fire under Harbaugh. I think the new coaches allowed these young kids to come in there with an edge and a chip that we haven't seen in a long time. Because, Brian, this is what we used to do. We used to come in there with an edge and a chip, like we're going to kick your ass. We're tougher than you and we're better than you. That's what was shown Saturday, and that's what is so exciting. And as a former athlete, why championships is the thing that you love the most, and you always remember your championship teams. This team has a championship fight about it. This team also has some really good players. Let's get into kind of breaking this down. First quarter, I just felt like that first drive, I was not happy (laughs) because this is why this game kills me. But now I'm going to turn the page to a new chapter. It looked very similar to two years ago. We marched right down the field. We pushed them around. But that diverse play call, Brent, when Gaddis sends Edwards in motion and then McNamara is acting like he's throwing it and then gives the wide receiver reverse Henning, and Henny is a burner. Talk about the first quarter a little bit, how, like, you know, when you guys are there, you're thinking, wow, this, this thing is – we came to play today. Yeah, well, that was just it. Like, there was so much belief in, in to watch him go down the field, which great call by because 
they just watched Zavin Edwards catch 10 passes for 100, I think it was 170 yards on touchdown against Maryland the week before. So when he went in motion, they're they like, eyes on him, eyes on him. And great, great reverse handoff to Henning. And when he, as soon as he got it, the whole place went nuts just because you saw the lane open right up. And, oh, my, chills were going down your spine. Like, here we go. Not only do we believe, we know it. We know we can do it. And that was the biggest punch in the face of the game was, like, the whole crowd was just – we were already energized, but to march right down the field was, like, you were ready to go out there and play yourself. <laughs> pump, pump, pump it up. Pump, 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 pump it up. <laughs> There's this new song that I have to say. I don't know what it, Brent would probably know how to – I'm not a singer. I'm not going to ask Brent to sing also. No. <laughs> but, uh, dude, the thing that really was impressive – was and shout out again to this coaching staff. I think the thing that I've seen Brent this year that's made me most excited is players individually with their skills have improved throughout the year. Guys like Roman Wilson continue to make big plays. And we and it's been lacking. It's been lacking with this program where when it gets close or it's a big game, we don't have guys make big plays, right? We, we just don't have that moment that we're so used to seeing when we were younger, right? Where we remember the Braylands and we go over this and I'm just so tired of talking about the past because you want it now for these kids. The Terrells and streets. Yeah, I mean, Charles Woodson, who's, you know, firing us all up pregame. You know, we had those moments to watch him do the Heisman pose. Well, he didn't do the pose, but win the Heisman. And then you got Desmond, who's on t- television. You get my point. You want the kids now to have those moments. There was a lot of kids, man, who had those moments that were huge. And it isn't just the the plays that are are highlights either. It's it's the big tackles. It's the the Jarrett Irons of the world when I was a kid who made a huge stop on third short. Well, it was Josh Ross in 2021 on the first drive of the second half, and you're going, oh, we're up one. They get the ball. They're going to come down maybe. I mean, I had a lot of doubts. These Michigan players this year said, bury those doubts, my friend. We are going to win this thing. But it was the players that did it. A uh, couple guys that you thought stood out to you while you were being there. you know, Because I just thought there was a lot. But I want your opinion on, and on a couple guys that maybe don't get the pub. I mean, we're going to talk a lot about Asan Haskins. But talk about a few guys that you thought that were maybe like, you know, I don't know, like unsung heroes per se. Uh, Junior Colson, Junior Colson for sure. Um, on even on that play where Ross filled the gap and stopped Henderson, Colson was the one that cleaned him up. Uh, Colson was really into the ball. I don't know how many tackles or assisted tackles he had, but he was flying all over the field and he was burying people. Uh, I thought he played. Yeah, I thought he played absolutely outstanding. Um, even like. I mean, Harold only made the one play, but it was a huge play on the end there, and he got the tackle for loss. But a guy that I bashed so many times, I thought he played. I thought he played well. Was Vincent Gray going against that dynamic trio? And I thought he. I thought he played well, and he and he hit well. And um, uh, Rod Moore, he missed one tackle early, but he made so many open field tackles whether it was running backs, receivers, flying up and down the field. Um, offensively, I mean, 
obviously the offensive line, but uh, Eric All, Eric All, I think he was the lead blocker on like four of Haskins' touchdowns, just pushing people 10, 15 yards downfield. It was incredible. I mean, the guy doesn't get the ball thrown to him very much, but to see him block like that was insane. So that would that'd be my list right there. There's a few plays in the game. I've rewatched so many things. There was the play when they just had Corum with the long run. We just stopped him. Three and out. Big stop by Josh Ross. They punt it. We get the ball. We go right down the field because Corum almost on one wheel takes it all the way. That was a huge play. The blocking scheme on that was that far right side of the offensive line said, we know he's going to cut back. We're going to build a wall. So basically you can see the, the guard and tackle who are basically saying, I'm going to turn my body this way to make sure that I leave a lane for Corum to cut it back. Well, here was the thing. He could have cut it back and it didn't even matter if those guys didn't do that because the hole was so huge. He could have ran anywhere he wanted. He could have kept going left. He goes left and then he cuts it up the middle, goes right. And then he angles to the right and almost goes all the way. But if you look at that right side of the line, Brent, they were basically building a wall saying, all right, we're pushing everybody to the sideline. So when he cuts it back, he's got plenty of real estate. And it was beautiful. The next part, you'll have to rewatch this. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really shove this, Ohio State fans. You got punked in this game. They had that play where they knew they were pulling the opposite left side, right, with the line, Brent. Mm-hmm. The right side, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know the names like – like Ballas and Doug Skeen who talk the O-line every day, right? But, you know, I know the names. I don't know who it was that did it. I, you know, it wasn't Hayes. It might have been Zinter. It probably was. They pretty much just chipped down that tackle, Ohio State, and they, he, they threw him to the ground. I'm talking not like holding him. I'm talking two-hand shoving you to the ground, and then we pulled and Haskins had – Eric all the lead, and it looked like nobody was there. And it was incredible, Brent, to see us physically manhandle them like that. Like you can say, oh, we physically manhandled them. No, you have to really watch those moments where we, yeah, we literally pancaked them or shoved them to the ground. Eric Hall had a block, Brent, where the corner safe came up, and he just put his hand on him, and the guy fell down. <laughs> I mean, whatever they did in the weight room this offseason, it has been working. Because they physically punished Ohio State. Those are the plays that you remember in this game. And guess who really remembers that? The players from Ohio State. As much as they're going to sit here and feel down, you know what they're really feeling? Ugh, that really hurt. (laughs) That really hurt. Those guys are really mean. But did you get that feel when you were there? Like you are going, we are just punching them right in the mouth, and there's nothing they can do about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, even the crowd, everybody in the crowd was like, jam it down their throats. I mean, there may be some other <laughs> curse words involved, but. Show I mean, this football down here. Yeah. You know, jam it down there. Yeah. And I mean, the whole crowd was just feeding off it. And we go down, score, then Aiden Hutchinson's running onto the field, jumping up in the air, throwing his arms up. Like, we got you, bud. We got you. We're with you. And I mean, you, you yeah. go back to Eric. Oh, I mean, 
I think it was the yeah the Haskins touchdown right after Quorum's run, where Haskins put it. Uh, he uh, he led Eric Hall right. He had his hands back. He was leading him down the field. Eric Hall go, goes through the corner into the safety. Like he just went through two players, and Haskins goes, "Yep, right behind you, buddy." <laughs> it was just it was incredible because you're like, we are so much stronger than them that it makes it look like there's a talent gap. Right. No, I mean, that was the thing. I'm so glad you said that statement. The talent gap thing has drove me crazy for years. I think a lot of it, you know, we talk about attitude and culture and all these things with sports. And then, and, you know, as coaches, we understand this, you know, your culture is important. You know, the guy down the road always talks about culture and you know what? It matters. You do have to bring it up. You know, I think he brings it up every second of every day, which, you know, like we'll, we'll get to the Sparties here in a minute because I, I just can't help myself. You know, I, I, to, you know, as Mark D'Antoni would say, after a while, you know, the, the, the disrespect and the, you know, I just got to keep going down that route with these bombs because, you know, that's what it is. You know, the, this, this conference is very competitive. I understand when you root for teams and you have an emotional feeling about your sport or your school or, you know, you went there. I get it. You know, it, and we're on the other side now. And, you know, when I transitioned to this side, Brent, I'm thinking, you know, you, you got to kind of fit into the media world, right? It's different than when you play, when you coach, when you play and when you coach, you don't give a crap by any of this stuff. You know, you just focused on what you got to do as, as former athletes and coaches, we can watch Michigan football. And even if we didn't like them, you got to respect the hell out of what those kids did. I mean, you, you got to look at what they did physically and say, wow, these guys really put in the time all year. And that's why you get a little emotional about it because you go, I remember doing that, working out in the off season, thinking about those moments when, Hey, when it comes down to that championship game, I'm going to be ready. I'm like, I'm going to be ready to do my part. And that's why you feel for it. And look <laughs> for me, I, I don't like Michigan state, but I told one of my Spartans, I said, I remember when you guys were in 2013 and you just jammed it down their throats and, and, and Jeremy Langford had that huge run and he was untouched. That was a powerful moment for Michigan State. And, and I respected that. I respected how they physically dominated Ohio State. And, and you know, I don't need it in return. <laughs> Michigan State people don't have to, have to uh, give me a pat on the back. That's not what I'm looking for. Because most of the people that are just fans, that's all they are. They don't really know what it takes anyway. But I don't care because we're first place in the East, about to win the Big Ten. <laughs> yeah. I mean – the bottom line is this when, when, you know, we're transitioning into a, a different talk and for those just tuning in again, life of all podcast, thanks for checking us out. We're transitioning into, you know, this show is going to be the Michigan outsiders. You know, I'm looking forward to this, you know, we're, there's a lot of talk. If you didn't go to U of M, you know, obviously, you know, why do you care? There's a lot of people that didn't go to Ohio state or Michigan state that root for them. I always find that is, is one of the weirdest things when people say, why do you even root for Michigan and have so much passion for it? you didn't even go there? Come on, give me a break. You know, my, I didn't play for the Detroit lions either. And I root for them. So, you know, it is what it is. When you, you were, you, you were raised by that school growing up. <laughs> right. like I, I remember being outside working out in the yard with my dad and stuff. I'm like, dad, uh, it's, it's 10 to 12. Can we go watch Michigan be done working? <laughs> no. 10 to watch Michigan. Let's go, dude. Let's go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, that's so funny you said that because that's when me and my dad had that. You know, and I, he always like, well, the earlier you get up, the earlier you can get out. And, you know, it was like, I don't want to get up at eight. Dad, I, <laughs> I'm young. I want to sleep until 10. Um, no, I, my son is uh, good luck, I think. Honestly, I think that's the first game me and my son watched together. You know, he was really watching it and actually paying attention. And, you know, he actually kind of seen what was going on. He seen his dad's excitement. So he definitely uh, freaked out a few times. But, uh, no, I mean, those are the moments. But I I just want to say this. When When it comes to this state, I've made this statement to people on the other side a little bit. And I just want anyone that ever listens to the show, they understand that, yeah, like there's some times when, Hey, it, it gets gets brutal. It's rivalries, man. This isn't for fun here. I'm not here to give you a hug after you beat me. What Michigan did Saturday was said, screw you, Ohio. Screw you. We're not going to take it no more. You're not going to just come into our stadium with your stupid fans and run the stadium. And, and, and by the way, did I hear much OHIO this weekend? I didn't hear it much at all. I don't even know if I heard it once. I heard it pregame, but I didn't hear it going through that big house stadium. Michigan said this is enough michigan state you got a long ways to go my friends if you think that ohio state is your pal i've been hearing this a lot like i I, it's mind-blowing to me when the michigan state side wants to talk about things that don't matter about well you know ohio likes us and respects us. i get this a lot Brent. this isn't just from a few of our friends this is the this is the common knowledge I have a guy who's a great guy who played basketball with me at Western Michigan who works at Michigan State. And I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to include him and the name Michigan State because I think he's better than that. But he is even in that world now of I can't root for you because you're Michigan. Just call yourself Midwest State then. Like seriously, call yourself Midwest state because you hate Michigan so much. You don't want to be a part of the state anymore. And I don't think people understand this. What Michigan did, not only did Michigan win for this state, which is the most important thing, they won for everybody in the big 10 because everybody in the big 10 said, wow, they beat the shit out of Ohio state. That gives you a feeling of you're not all that. You're not going to just beat us down. And that's why I look at Michigan State people like they're from outer space, Brent. Because I go, why are you rooting for the team who has dominated? Because that's how they continue to win is getting the best recruits, never losing, getting it handed to them. Jim Harbaugh's statement, well, you you know, you're born on third and think you hit a triple. That's the best dig you could ever give. Oh, that's <laughs> that great. Was like, that was amazing. But. I'm just so tired of it, Brian. We talked about it a lot, but this is the last thing I'm going to say about it because we're the champs and that's all that matters. Michigan State people, Purdue people, whoever you are, this is a good thing that happened this weekend, whether you like it or not. This is actually a really good thing. See, I'm torn on that because, yes, it's a great thing because it shows that they're beatable. They're not this dominant team, right? You can't punch them in the mouth. Like Everybody should be happy about it. On the flip side of it, I mean, I don't expect Michigan State to root for Michigan. I don't expect them for Michigan to be Iowa, right? They don't, they don't like Michigan. That's fine. Like this, this is what I told um, some of my buddies. I was like, you know what? Like last week when uh, Michigan State played Ohio State, 
I wasn't rooting for Ohio State, but I needed them to win. Well, why'd you need them to win? So I could be in this moment right now. Because if you would have <laughs> beat them, it would it would have made things hairy. And I wasn't sure how it was going to go. So by the, when Ohio beat them, I was like, great. All we have to do is beat Ohio State and, and we'll win the East. You know, there, there's no, well, I think we should be the ones. I mean, I, I think we don't, we talked about it. It would have shaked out where Michigan would have won it. But why leave it up to doubt? Right. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, I, I hope Ohio State wins for the, for the sheer fact that if we beat them, there's no doubt we are the Big Ten or Big Ten East champs, right? So, but on the flip side of that, I know, kind of rambling. On the flip side of that, for them to watch the game and cheer for a team that just blasted you by 50 at halftime is odd to me. Like, they, they kicked your ass up and down the field. They pulled their starters early in the third. And then and Ryan Day was even coming out and disrespecting you guys so hard and you didn't care. He literally came out and said, yeah, I was thinking about Michigan during that game. I mean, like, you, want, you want to talk about disrespect? <laughs> he's playing you, and he's thinking about next week's game against Michigan. This That's- dude from Ohio State is lit- literally laughing at you and then being nice to you after. And if you want to just keep taking it on the chin. And, uh, you're, not way, a threat. you're not yeah. a threat to him. Not at all. And, and, you know, look, I argued with multiple people about this. And they all said the same thing because they're brainwashed. The Michigan State people are brainwashed. We're going to get into coaching contract extension tonight as well. And that's going to be really, really hot for you, well, Spartan. coaching man. carousel, too, going on right now. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Sparty, you want to see the big boy table? Hey, by the way, the coach that you make fun of, I said this to Brent, and I posted about this, and I got quite the feedback from – okay, I'm just going to shout you out. Antoine Joseph, if you, if you listened to this far – Shout out to you, this the who's taking a better job. He's going to UAB. He's upgrading his life. He's going to UAB <laughs> for Michigan State. So congratulations. He's got a real assistant athletic director position, which is huge at any level of Division One athletics. But we had a great conversation. Antoine played point guard at Western Michigan. We have kind of a similar story. He's a preferred walk on. And he's a Sparty now. You know, I think he was always kind of a Sparty, maybe. I don't know. Um, but it's always that disrespect thing, right? Let me just tell you something, man. At the highest level of sports, my job ain't to respect you. I'm supposed to beat you. <laughs> like, like I never went into a game against Central Michigan going, oh, I got mad respect for the Chippewas. It was more like, that place is a dump. Really? I don't want to hang out in Mount Pleasant. That place sucks. The only thing cool about Mount Pleasant as a kid was the three-on-three red hacker. Uh, everything else about that place sucks. You know, O'Kelly's shitty bar. Hate that place. I have zero respect for Central Michigan. My you, don't job listen, to- you don't listen to like a, a song like Kumbaya before a rivalry game. You listen to Tupac <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> you, you get the hate in your heart to go out there and dominate them. You know? And, and, and the thing, the reason why, and this is going to be a good point, your confidence level goes high when you beat Ohio State. Michigan State people are so oblivious. The reason why Michigan State really took that next step wasn't because they were beating Michigan. It's because they finally beat Ohio State. Like, yeah. that was the reason why Mark D'Antonio started taking off is when he finally beat Ohio State. You know, Ohio State has been the cream for a while. I mean, this – I mean, 
Brent, Ohio State, what they had done the last 20 years is so similar to what it was Shem Beckler going into Gary Moeller slash Lloyd Carr. I mean, it, it wasn't much different. Like people always talk about, well, Ohio State's won this amount of games since 2000. I just looked it up from 1985 to 2000. Brent, you know what the record was in this rivalry, Ohio State-Michigan? 12-3-1 for Michigan. That's domination. That is domination of a rivalry. Like, and, and arguably it could have been worse if we didn't have the stupid ties back then. You know, I mean, I mean, like, let's just be honest. Like, you go to overtime, hey, anything can happen, but we were a lot better than them. We tied them in 92. That was the year we won the Big Ten. They were not good that year. So, you know, I look at these things and I look at fans and I look at all of it now because I'm not a player anymore. If you're a fan of the score, you talk about any of these schools because recruits can read anything. They can watch anything. You got to look at things uh, logically. Ohio State is still the top tier. You have to beat them somehow. The reason why a lot of people, Michigan people are happy is because they know that. They know it because they've lived it. They remember Ohio State has always been the problem. Not you guys, Michigan State. And Michigan State doesn't realize the only the real problem is Ohio State. They, they, they think they're buddies with them. No, these guys want to punish everyone in the league. They want to dominate this league. And there's a reason why they act the way they do, because they want it to be easy. They don't want it to be like last weekend. It's getting real hot, isn't it, Brent? It's getting hot now in the kitchen. Now Ohio State recruits are going, yeah, but – it was pretty cool, man. I'm, I, I got to visit Michigan now. By the way, Michigan had a lot of guys from Ohio that have played good in this last game. Just so you know, something that isn't being talked about. Rod Moore, Ohio, pretty sure. Almost positive. Eric All, Eric All Ohio. Uh, Coles are their big-time guy in special teams. Obviously, Coles are that name. That's Ohio. Right. And, and you know, there's a lot there. And, and I'd have to uncover some more, but there's some guys from Ohio that are really playing well in this game. And, and I just had to say a little bit of that, Brent, because I, it's, it's, I find it humorous. But, you know, we're going to dive into this next segment, and, and it's, it's the coaching contract crap. And that's what I'm calling it, the coaching contract crap. I admit when I'm wrong. I also admit when I'm right. <laughs> Jim Harbaugh, I got to give him credit, and I got to give Ward Manuel credit. And this is going to pain me because I'm just not a huge Jim Harbaugh fan. I'll admit it. Two things that Jim Harbaugh's done a great job of, and Ward Manuel is going to be mentioned here in a second, and then I'll let you dive into this. Jim Harbaugh, what he's done with the staff was was so needed. Young staff with more swag and attitude. You had to have that. A young DC that wasn't stubborn, who you have a connection with, you had to have that. But the skilled position guys or the positional coaches is what's making the difference. Jim Harbaugh did that. Check, check, check. A++ Jim Harbaugh. That was huge. I give you credit for doing that. You had to do that, and it's working. But i got to give Ward Manuel credit because I don't think there's any way any human wants to stay somewhere when he gets a pay cut. And it hasn't been talked about much, but I think Jim Harbaugh and him had a real good heart-to-heart, Brent, where Ward said, look, Jim, I don't want to do this. I know you're on the right track, but we got to do something to make it known that this ain't good. And that pay cut's what it was, Brent. But was it, wasn't some that, of that restructuring, though, like uh, incentive-based? Incentive-based, yes. Right. 
touch on this. Go ahead. So what I loved about it was basically he was saying to Jim, earn your money. I want you here, but I want you to earn your money. And we're not here for 10, two seasons. Okay. We're not here for 10 to lose the Ohio state. Now win the big 10, that's not what we brought you in for, you know, we brought you in here to win the big 10 first and foremost, beat Ohio, win the big 10. And we've talked about this before, like the difference between like the way Michigan state looks at Michigan, Michigan state and Michigan, right? I've said it, it's Michigan state super bowl and they play their best game. Well, Saturday was our Super Bowl, and we played our best game of the year. And our coaches had the best calls of the year. Yeah. I mean, th- there's there's no question about it. Because if you coach at Michigan, what you want to do is beat Ohio to win the Big Ten. Now, granted, things have changed now. But back in the day, it was we beat Ohio, we win the Big Ten. And that's what it was about. That's why it's called the game, because – it always came down to those two schools. So credit's manual for saying, Hey, we're going to restructure your money, but you have the chance to make it back. Right. You go and win the games that we, that we brought you in to do. We'll pay you. Right. So let me ask you a quick question as, as a bonus to that. Cause you're, you're saying some great things and I hope you get this answer correct, but I'm gonna put you on the spot. What is the most important thing when you're a coach and what's going to lead you to long-term success? What's the most important thing? Oh, in my opinion, putting successful people around you because you can't, you can't do it all, right? If you're a coach, you had to have one, obviously players, but two, you have to have assistants that you can trust and that actually know the game and can make in-game adjustments. Like I'd be right I'm, I'm not, I, I gotta, I agree and I disagree, but I agree to that because you do have to have the staff, but it leads into the most important thing, which is recruiting. If you have a good staff around you, that leads into recruiting, obviously. The young staff they have right now is going to get better players. If you beat Ohio State, you're already going to get better players. That's what people don't understand, Brent, is it's not the fact that you beat them on the field. You got to beat them off the field, too. And, and you got to beat them up in the tunnel, too. Because you got to do something to get someone's attention. Everybody that watched that game Saturday, if you're a young kid and you hear this, you got to say, I'll tell you what, man, they got some dogs out there, U of M. They got some dudes that can flat out ball and they got some real cool coaches. And boy, I really like to rock that Jordan gear. Yeah, but I mean, it, it, it's more than that because if, if you have great like assistant coaches, like Michigan's assistant coaches have been great. And because if you ask everybody going into that game, who's got more talent, who's had the better recruiting classes, everybody in their brother is going to say, Ohio State's just got too much talent. Right? Michigan, uh, Jim Harbaugh had a great, uh, great scheme. The uh, Gaddis and McDonald had great schemes. The, all the position coaches, they all did their jobs. Right? Because I don't think there's a, a talent gap personally, but – they always have a better recruiting class. And if you ask anybody, they say, well, they're, they're just too talented. They're too talented. You can't beat them. Well, you put su- successful people around you that actually know what they're doing. They can make adjustments and you can win and you can embarrass a team that supposedly has more talent. I think you are definitely 
turning a page that's an interesting topic of what is more important, the players we get or the coaches that coach them. And I, I think that we know this because we've coached. Sometimes a couple things that you tweak make things go the other, the other way. Because I don't think there's anyone that could doubt this, that some of the years where we were really close and almost beat them, they were more talented than us. But I think we just didn't do enough good things to win. Like, I, I think when you look at 2016, we had the same amount of talent. We had better talent in some areas. Brady Hoke recruited really, really good players. Now, they would say that Ohio State maybe had the better classes, but we were really, really close. The thing that people don't understand about recruiting in college football and college basketball is this, Brent. A four- or five-star and even a three-star sometimes, unless you're, like, elite and everybody wants you, it's pretty close. It really is pretty close. Josh Ross was the best linebacker on the field. He was probably not as highly sought out after as some of the guys that Ohio State has had. It's just sometimes coaching does matter. You're right. You know, sometimes uh, the best corners on the field in the game wore maize and blue. And, and I think that's because Clinksell is a really good DB coach. I, I think you're right. I think it matters. I, I think it's almost 1A, 1B and what's the most important thing. And it ties together. you got to have the staff that gets the players. And if you don't get the five stars as much as the other team, you got to have a coach who can get them to five-star level. Like, I will give a shout-out. Like, Mark D'Antonio got some kids like Trey Waynes and got them really good. They, they coached them up. I think the difference now, though, is – it was easier to win then. That's not an excuse and not a knock on anyone that beat Ohio State then, but they weren't as good as they are now. They're better now. Like, they are recruiting at Alabama-like, Clemson-like level right now. This is different. This I, isn't... I, I agree with that. Like, you, you'd have to have players. Everybody in their brother knows you have to have players. But, I mean, numerous years, right, they would be like, let's say Ohio State was four in the recruiting. We were like seven. Like, it's not that far of a drop-off. I mean, we were still getting players. We were just being completely outcoached. Like, you can't just run press man and blitz, crossing route, crossing route, crossing route. You have to adjust and have a better scheme going into the game. And that's what Michigan did. They kept they kept everybody in front of them, right? Yeah. Nobody broke free for a long touchdown. They, they had a couple of deep passes, but, I mean, that's because, like, Olave and uh, Smith and Jigba made amazing catches. You're opening up a really good can of worms here, and I want your opinion on this. Do you think because of this win, this is very important too, Brent, because this is an important position that we used to be amazing at. Do you think if you're a DB that you're sitting here going, man, I want to wear that wing helmet because if I can shut down those three suckers, I'm going to go top five. So, uh Jackson, hello, hello, Earth to Jackson. <laughs> Come on over. Come on over because we need someone to check Jackson Smith and Jigba. We need somebody yeah. to check Julian Fleming next year. We need someone to check Marvin Harrison Jr. I, I think this is – we're turning over the stone here, Brent, where we're Michigan, we're a, a, a dual-threat offense. We're going to move the ball. So, defense, you just do your thing. You hang out on that sideline and chill. We're going to move the ball. And when you get on that field, go crazy. This is what we should have been from day one, Brent. But we finally figured it out after all these years. But would you agree with that? Like, okay, yeah, like 
those DBs that we had on this new scheme, which goes back to your coaching statement, getting the right coaching, everyone should want to play for Michael McDonald and this defensive coaching staff right now, Brent. Everyone. Everyone. I completely agree. I don't think there's a person in America that will stand here and say this, uh, that Ohio State doesn't have the best trio of wide receivers in the nation. They do. Mm-hmm. They do. But McDonald's scheme was great. He made them work. He made them go down the field. And then guess what happens when your defense has more snaps, more chances to make plays. Like 97 on third down. Right when Ohio State was driving down the field, driving down the field after we scored that first touchdown, they get a false start. And then all of a sudden, the pocket collapses and 97 comes in. That doesn't happen if you're on the previous team, the previous week's team, and you're giving up 50, 40, 60 yard touchdowns every other play. Your defense doesn't have an opportunity to make a play. Like McDonald should get as much credit as. Aiden Hutchinson in the aspect of because of his scheme, he gave Hutchinson more snaps to be an impact player. And then kudos to Hutchinson for being a player. He was so amazing, Brent. I mean, it was such an exciting situation to see those kids play that well in that big game. Hutchinson with three sacks, all-time leading sacks leader at the University of Michigan, which is just incredible. I mean, if you do that, you're talking about the likes of Lamar Woodley's, his dad, Chris, who was an amazing D lineman, Glenn Steele. I mean, the list, Brandon Graham. I mean, Brandon Graham, 55. Talk about another 55, David Ojabo, representing that 5-5, my friend. Family comes to the first game to watch him. It was just a lot of emotional things for the Michigan side that was amazing. But I'll tell you what, man, uh, this program is just heading – in the right direction overnight. And in college sports is different, man. When momentum goes your way, and when Jim Harbaugh says this is just the beginning, it's it's true. In college sports, all it takes is that one thing, that one moment, that one game, that new coach, that new recruit. What people do not understand about all of this, and this is why I'm really excited because I do get this. We are doing it collectively. You can't be a long sustained program if your O-line sucks, your D-line is okay, your DBs suck, and you just win because you have one Heisman hopeful. Hmm, Sounds like a program down the road. You can't win that way for a long period of time. If players keep leaving your program and transferring and they don't want to stay there because you throw them to the curb, you're not going to win. You can hate this statement all you want if you're Michigan State. But I'm just clearing, look, man, I've been wrong a lot. And and if I am wrong, I'll admit it. But I've seen the writing on the wall, and and I've seen a lot of things happen. I think I'm going to be spot on this. I think Michigan State fans are going to be really, really hurt in a couple years. You can't win with that transfer portal long. We know that because we did that. We lost a lot of guys to transfer portal for a while there, Brent, and we got our quarterback from transfer portal. You can't win like that unless the guy is an absolute stud. And guess what? Even if he's an absolute stud, you know what happens? Over time, you're going to have to have your recruits take over. By the way, Ohio State might be running into that right now, a quarterback. As much as everyone loves you know, Stroud and, and they love the numbers, I'm going to tell you something right now, guys. He ain't all that. 
he ain't Justin Fields. He, he's a good quarterback. He's really good at times, but he ain't dual threat. That's what they're known for. All they want to do is throw the ball. I mean, they threw it 49 times, Brent. That's not if a he's got time in the, If he's got time in the pocket, he's lights out. But you know what? There's a lot of quarterbacks that are like that. That's not real. Collapse that pocket just a little bit. But why is he lights out? Because he has the, the best receiving core in America. They're I open. Mean, they're open, but she, but here's the thing. And and you know, this is a shout out to some Buckeye friends friends of mine who I used to say, well, you know, I used to be wrong. I used to say, Well, your quarterback's great in receivers, that's why you win. No, their old line used to punish us and they used to run the ball up our throats. That didn't happen this game. Travion Henderson, there was a dumb Buckeye call on one show I was watching, and the in the in the goofball dropped the ball. What he said, he goes, Well, I think we tried too much to run it. Tried too much to run it. It was actually pretty successful. Travion Henderson is one of the best backs. In the conference as a freshman, arguably one of the most talented players in the country at that position, they stopped going to him. They basically said, we're just going to throw it to our NFL receivers. It was a terrible game plan. And I thought they would beat us, Brad, because I thought they would run the ball on us. They didn't even want to try to run it. They, they, they threw to their running back, and that worked. But it was amazing yeah, because this they didn't give They didn't give him an, an, enough snaps, but – I think they averaged at the end of the game like three and a half yards a carry. They started – what they did was on obvious running downs they ran. That was what we needed. We are an incredible defense. You've seen it all year, Brent. We are amazing when it's third and short. We will shut you down. We will stuff you. Ask Nebraska. Ask Penn State. Ask Michigan State even. Michigan State, we played terrible, but – we stopped them on third and short a few times, right? There's all there's you can go down the list of games this year. Third and short, third and two. You try to run on that defense, it ain't gonna happen. It just isn't. You know, and, and you know, Ohio State just felt like we're just gonna get those third down and two and we're just gonna run. No. You know, and then the other thing is what did they do after that? They went away from it and didn't even try. And then we brought the pressure and sacked them on third and what, seven at near the goal line. Brent, they got down in the red zone and they had to kick field goals. That's what we did in the in the game where we blew it. It's just what I see right now with this football program. I see a collective unit. I see a special teams group that's really, really good with a returner who, by the way, is going to have another returner back next year. Clap, clap, clap. Ronnie Bell's coming back next year. We are loaded right now. Loaded. People do not realize that the those who stay will be champions thing. This is what it means. After time, your time will come. But you got to play young kids. Jim Harbaugh, after seven years, has figured it out, Brent. He made a great statement. He said, the old guys carried us, but some of the young guys really, really helped us too. Absolutely. The Donovan Edwards, the Rod Moore who came up big in the end of the year, right? The guys like A.J. Henning were only a sophomore. Roman Wilson, only a sophomore. Andrew Anthony, a freshman. J.J. McCarthy, you know, McCarthy coming in, making big plays as a true freshman quarterback. You know, those are huge moments. And then I look at Ohio State, I go, yeah, this might not be the only year. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but you're going to have to battle us for a while here because we got some young kids that had a huge say in that game. Who scored the first touchdown? A sophomore. A sophomore. A true sophomore. You know, and it's like, I'm excited, Brett. I'm very excited. 
One, one last thing I want to ask you too. Um, I know it was a couple minutes ago about the transfer portal. Um, in my opinion, as I want to know what you think, in my opinion, the transfer portal hurts your recruiting because you're bringing in other players from other schools that have already established and they're going to be sophomores, juniors, seniors, whatever. And they're, they're transferring there because they've been told they're going to play now. Now, if, you, if, you, if you're trying to recruit high-level talent, example, let's say uh, like Michigan State, right? They got Kenneth Walker last year. Now they just got uh, the Wisconsin running back transfer in the transfer yep. portal. Don't you think that hurts your recruiting? Like, I, I, Just your thoughts. Absolutely. I think it crushes your recruiting. I, I, I think it's going to hit them smack dab in the face in probably two years. I think in two years when – and here's the other thing why it sucks. There's a couple reasons why it, it's terrible. One, it's terrible for your culture because what it basically says is we're recruiting you, but if you don't get it done, we'll go to the portal. That's why it sucks. Number two, if you have injuries, which Michigan State had a little bit of this year, if you get injured and you lost a lot of your depth, you're screwed. Like if you're Jordan Simmons right now, one of the running backs who's really good, and by the way, Elijah Collins, who from this state, who's sitting there going, what, what, what the hell? Like, you know, I don't even have a chance anymore because – it's Kenneth Walker's show. Eventually, a guy gets hurt. Ronnie Bell got hurt this year. We, I thought, oh, no. You know what happened? Because A.J. Henning got a lot of snaps last year, he was able to come right in. Because Roman Wilson made a big-time couple catches in his first game ever last year against Minnesota, he was ready. Because Cornelius Johnson has had some moments, he was ready. So the next man up thing that the Spartans used to say is, is BS. Michigan's doing the next man up thing. So if, if Berger, who, by the way, the running back that they brought in, got hurt this year, if he gets hurt, well, guess who you got to go to, Brent? Elijah Collins, Jordan Simmons. Well, what if they're not even there because they transfer? You have lack of depth. Your whole program is based on the hope that a guy who left a program is great, and it doesn't always work. By the way, Michigan fans know this. John O'Corn, ring a bell, Shea Patterson, who I thought Shea Patterson gets not enough credit. I thought he was okay and really great at times and then not very good. But what did that do to that quarterback position? It killed it. It killed us that next year, right? Yep. I mean, it crushed Absolutely. us. It crushed us because, you know, we played Joe Milton because we were clueless on the fact that we probably should have played uh McCaffrey and look at what Joe Milton's doing he he's just not good he's just a talented young man who just isn't a good enough quarterback and because we had those kids sitting around Milton then leaves and we just struck gold because we finally hit an amazing freshman quarterback who could save the day if all hell breaks loose. And we have a great leader in Cade McNamara who said, I want to stay here. But I think it's the coaches, Brent, who said, look, stay here. We are not going that route no more. And I love it that Alan Bowman, the way they treated Alan Bowman when he came in, you're not coming in here to be the guy. <laughs> you're coming in here to be a coach. <laughs> you know, That's pretty much what yeah. he is. And, and we, we didn't drop the ball finally. But no, well, to, you know. How do you get a four or five-star running back when you just brought in another Big Ten quality back, like how how do you build your program up with getting high level recruits, right? 
Because I totally, get, I totally get what you're saying. Like the guys that were behind Walker this year are thinking, well, what do I got to do now to get on the field? Should I just leave? They but at the same time, at the same time, how do you get the big time, the big time recruits? If you're just going to transfer portal in that position. It's a real dark, dark slope uh, and, and slippery one. If you're banking on a kid to suck at another school to come to yours and be good. I mean, I'm laughing, man. I, I'm laughing because all the things that the people on the Michigan State side and, – and by the way, if you endorse this stuff, it matters. Like, you know, hey, I've learned my lesson, man, the hard way. What's going to make your program great is the kids that come in, they slowly but surely get better, or you strike gold and hit a home run and you get a five-star. But – you don't win with transfer portal. And, and if people are like, well, what about Michigan and basketball? Well, basketball is a totally different sport. You know, if, if you can bring a point guard in, you know, and he can come in and run the show a little bit, then that, that's different. Football is a collective thing. You got to have major league depth in football. You need to have three, four, five guys and running back. You know, like right now, Michigan and running back, this is what you're going to see people in the next few years. You're going to see Blake Corum for at least one more year, and you're going to see Donovan Edwards for at least two more years. And then, by the way, they're recruiting that position hard still. And people are watching Hassan Haskins going, oh, if I go to Michigan and I just stay there for four years, I'll be an elite back and be in the NFL. I can and run through those holes. <laughs> if you're an alignment at Michigan you know, or being recruited by Michigan, you're thinking they get great running backs and they throw. It's like a dual threat. It's awesome. It's an alignment dream. Right now, you know, Ohio State is a wide receiver school. I mean, it's – and by the way, if you're an old lineman, it sucks when you have to block for a passing quarterback all day. Pass blocking is, is terrible. Pass blocking sucks, especially when you got to go against Michigan who has edge rushers. So, so it's like, you know, I know that I'm not the football guy, but I know enough to know that Michigan State has got a rude awakening coming. Because you cannot go – I mean, the, right, they lost two corners in, in 24 hours. In 24 hours, after winning 10 games, two guys just left. I, I, I mean, and, and one of them was David Dowell, who was a safety who they really loved coming into the year because that's all I heard about was how good Dowell was. And he's gone. And, and, you know, it doesn't matter, but it does matter. You know what I mean? Like – you lost Julian Barnett, a kid from Belleville, who I don't know how good he is anymore. I haven't kept up with the kid, but he was their starting corner at one point a couple years ago. You know, what is this secondary transfer you? I mean, you know, what is it? Like, what are you banking your program on? You know, to stay on that, lastly, you extended your coach who was living on a tightrope when you just want transfer for like, I, I think it's hysterical. I hope they keep going down this route by the way, but it's an absolute boneheaded way to go about things. When you talk about culture, you know what the culture is in Michigan state. We'll find a way to get players to transfer here. That's a terrible culture, horrible culture. You're not, you're not building, you're not recruiting anything. You're just saying, well, we'll take what somebody else doesn't want. That's not, it's not what you want. Yeah, you struck gold with Walker this year, but how often you get the lotto? Okay. How many times is that going to happen? 
once. <laughs> yeah. uh, has anyone ever won the lotto twice? That'd be a good question. I think so. I bet so. But the thing about it is, like for example, if I was Reed, the receiver there, if I was Reed, and Kenneth Walker said that he was going pro, I'm also going pro. And here's why: I get one on one because I have a great back. Now the teams are going to key on me, and we don't have a great back. I mean, who knows? Whoever they bring in, or maybe those scouts and kid would be good. I don't know. But he won't be Kenneth Walker good. Yeah, right. I think right now, Brent, that that guy was uh, – he played four games this year. He um, obviously Wisconsin did good without him. And he had four games where he was pretty close to 100 yards every game. So did a good job. You know, it's, it's a good back. It's a kid, obviously, that's learning at a school that knows how to teach running backs too. So I think he'll come in and he'll be pretty good. But – the fact of it is anything can happen. Like you got to recruit depth. And that was my, that's my main point of all this. Like you can't, like you can't bank on Asan Haskins the whole year, the way they did at the end of the year. The reason why he was so good also is because they had Blake Corum, like Blake Corum and him were a dynamic duo. It wasn't Hassan Haskins. It was Blake Corum got hurt and they had to rely on Hassan Haskins. Like people are forgetting so quickly on how this year went for Michigan. You had two running backs who were so good that you didn't even play your four or five star running back freshman. That's how good those two running backs are. You know how and, great that is for recruiting? That's huge. Yeah. And Corum missed what two games and was lightly used against Ohio and he still almost got a thousand yards rushing. It's incredible. And, and and you know, Cornelius Johnson has close to six hundred yard receiving. So what that says if you're a receiver that I want to go to Michigan because it's a running team, but at the same time, there's still a couple guys that have been in space and made plays. And, and I love our receiving core. Like, I, I'm going to be honest with you, Brent. Like, I don't know who said it today, but it was a great point. And it was, this isn't just a one-dimensional offense anymore. Like, coming into the year at the beginning, we were getting a little nervous. And and we liked it, though, that, hey, we're punishing teams. This is a good, you know, good foundation. This isn't a one-dimensional offense you got McCarthy who could come in and make a good throw and he can run as a quarterback. And by the way, shout out to that staff because the way those two are coming together, I'm blown away, Brent. I'm absolutely blown away because you remember the conversations we had earlier in the year. They weren't very pretty. They were me calling for McCarthy and Cade McNamara said, Wop, let me knock you upside the head, boy, because this program is going to be just fine. Just sit back there and enjoy it. And I'll take those beatings any day <laughs> because, Brian, this is amazing, man. This is a, a cohesive unit. JJ throwing that pass to Roman Wilson and then Cade McNamara giving them the, hey, <laughs> that's like me going, hey, nice call, Brent. I like that play call. <laughs> but can you, you see what I'm saying, though? It's amazing. Oh, absolutely. And that's what you want. You want guys to compete and push each other to make each other better, but also be happy when they succeed. And all it does is when when your backup comes in and he can push your starter to be even better, yeah, that's the depth you were talking about. Your team gets better because you're playing, you're practicing against better players. And when you push each other to uh, succeed, this is what happens. 
This is exactly what happens. So, Brian, we got, if you can hang on till, let's say, countdown, seven and a half more minutes. Can you hang on seven and a half more minutes and we'll be done? Can you do it? Oh, of course I can. 75 minutes is my uh, training sessions, by the way, and that's what my uh, Michigan Outsiders uh, podcast is going to be also moving forward. Uh, 75 minutes of greatness of me and Brent chumming it up about Michigan football. Spartan fans, hang on. Here comes the <laughs> Michigan Outsiders. I'm excited, man. Like when, we, when we're doing these shows, uh, I'm looking forward to getting to that next step of this because I think, I think what people need to hear, especially – in this world, and this is like kind of off base, but still on you know, Michigan kids. If you talk to people like me, coach T um, you know, there's, there's a, there's a lot of Michigan people who understand how great this place is and football players. I think we, we, we lost some kids there, Brent, for a while. I think people didn't really realize how great it was at Michigan and when you beat Ohio State, I think young kids are going to see that and go, well, that place was electric. There was 113, 14, how many people, thousand people that were there. There's people like you that talk about it and me, and there's a lot of excitement, and there's a lot of former players that talk about it. And Devin Gardner was absolutely amazing on the Monday morning quarterback. Again, I want to give him a shout-out. He was fun to listen to. This program, Michigan football and Michigan basketball, um, we are on a – a few days away Brent, from being back to back when you win the basketball big 10 and the football, that is huge. That is huge. Um, and that's the thing that you want. It's just something that doesn't happen very often. I was talking to somebody about this and you might know more than me. I said, I thought the last time we won something significant in both literally would probably have to go back to the fab five era where when Jawan was playing, kind of funny, he's back now. I'm pretty sure, Brian, I mean, you might be able to correct me, but because in 2018, you know, obviously we get to the Final Four, but we didn't do anything in football. Like, we won some games, obviously, but I'm talking championships. I can't remember. It has to have been 92. 92 has to have been the last year. Can can you go back in time and remember? Because I think that's what it is. I, I'm pretty sure. No, I, I can't. It's it's been that long. I, no, I can't. It's incredible, isn't it, to think about because it's, you know, and, and I think Jawan Howard. As much as I didn't like the way he started this year, one thing he is amazing at, and when you talk about culture, this dude enhances your culture, <laughs> and. I think he always knows how important football is in Michigan. It's just always going to be number one, no matter how good you are in the hardwood. The big house, Michigan football, it's just bigger. It's just you can never surpass that. He has really embraced that part, and I think that there's a method to that, Brent. There's a method. He wants his basketball players to soak that in because that helps with recruiting too. really does. If you're a basketball guy and you get to hang out in the falls – and watch that environment. It's pretty darn cool. I think that's what we all can agree why he does it. Yeah, I mean, uh, just the environment being in there, like especially when he brings them in, like you said, in the fall, and it's warm out. You get the place rocking. You get the, uh, the football team dominating. You're like, oh, these are the type of fans that are around here. 
yeah, I, I could get behind an environment like this. I, this is nice. Right. And I, and to your point, I think the other part of the reason why he does it is just to show that like the, it was a prime example. Cause you know, I saw like Diabate and Caleb Houston at the game and they saw how tough Michigan was, right? Kids they go to school with that they went out and just punched Ohio State in the face. Like that toughness rubs off on the whole culture of the school, not just a football program. It goes to every program, right? So, no, I think it's huge and it's smart of him to embrace it. Yeah, I, I was pretty hard on uh, the beginning of this season. You know, we're going to end on basketball now. Um, I, I take it to heart in basketball more, obviously, because clearly I, that's what I did. I I just think he's done a great job. Juwan's done a fantastic job. I don't want to knock him. There's some things that I wish he did better, but I think we could say that about every coach. I'm sure we could say that literally about every single coach in the country, unless you're an Alabama football fan, <laughs> because Nick Saban, <laughs> you can't argue with that many natties. Um Kiss the ring. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. He he was very angry <laughs> talking about the fans in Alabama, rightfully so. He's like, hello, guys. Hello. I mean, what else do you need me to do? What more can I say? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but this is what worries me. You know, I'm a worrier, Brett. Bear with me. What worries me, and I talked to a lot of people about this off air, We've got to find a way to get a point guard to really, really play well, no matter what we recruit. Because right now, Mike Smith started struggling last year. I get that. This is a different situation, Brent. Kind of goes back to that transfer portal thing. Even though it's different because it's basketball, you still got to have a young kid be recruited at that position to come in here and, and do really well. Xavier Simpson drove me nuts. But that dude was a baller, man. He did some great things at that position. You know, he, he was a stud. You know, he didn't shoot great, but he was a stud. He ran the show. Mike Smith comes in because we needed a point guard. You know, we, we bring in Jones because we need a point guard. Frankie Collins has got to take that spot, Brent. He's got to take over and say, this is my spot. I'm taking over. And I'm even cool with us struggling this year because I know what longevity means. We've got a lot of really good young kids. We're a young basketball team right now. What do you think right now? I mean, when you look at this team, I know you're a little way more optimistic than me right now. I have a lot of doubts because I just think that position, because I play that we really need somebody to come out and play it better throughout the course of the year. What's your initial thoughts right now on Michigan basketball? And, and what do you think people should look forward to, you know, as we continue this year? Um. I, I honestly, I would move Eli to the one. I would bring Kobe in off the bench, right? So you go, um, Eli, Kobe, Caleb, Diabate, and Dickinson. And if you want, you know, you can leave Eli in a little bit longer, but yes, obviously rotate Frankie because Frankie needs time, but I mean, Zeb Jackson's coming back. Let's see what Zeb can do. He didn't really get a fair shake last year because there were so many good players last year, and he was a freshman. Um, I'm not sold on Jones. I know a lot of people are like, oh, he's, you know, he, 
I think it was against um, oh shoot, Seton Hall. He had like twelve rebounds or whatever. It's like that's great. Um, I care more about my point guard creating and taking care of the ball and not falling out every other game. Yeah. So uh, I'm having issues with Jones, and right now, like every team, almost every team is going under the the high screen roll, and he's not shooting. You don't have to shoot it every time, but you at least have to make them know that you do that. I'm going to make you pay occasionally. I'm not asking him to shoot it every time, but make them go over the top. So, as you know, it's going to put more pressure on their defense because now you have a better chance to get into the, getting into the lane, kicking out for corner threes that Michigan loves. Give Eli Brooks a chance to play his game and not have to play the one. So, I don't know. I, I'm frustrated. I'm very frustrated with the play of Jones, and then I'm frustrated that uh, with uh, some of the bigs who played against that are athletic and strong, we're having a very difficult time rebounding. We've rebounded terribly. That is my biggest concern is rebounding. Because even, like, as bad as our offense seems most of the time, well, I can't say most of the time. I mean, they're averaging, what, 70 points a game right now? Yeah, I think yeah, I think it's 72, probably 71, 70. It, it's in the 70. There was 75 or 74. I think it's probably 71 now. Which is solid. But the fact of the matter is we can never end the possession. I don't care how how good the on-ball defense is. If you don't get the rebound, it doesn't matter how good your on-ball defense was to me. Because if you can't finish the possession, which we seem to be struggling with right now, you guys like – um, Brandon Johns, he, I expect I expect a lot of him. You know, I had big expectations for him this year, and so far he has not lived up to the hype that I put out. <laughs> yeah, you're 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 almost sounding like me uh, when when you expect certain things from him, uh, and I've expected things from certain players. It doesn't work out. I've always been off the Brandon Johns train. I just you know, catching the basketball it seems to be an issue for him still sometimes, and then finishing. When you're wide open and you're that athletic big, I just don't know why you can't dunk on people still. Um, you know, he still travels at times. He still airballs a three, a random three, kind of falls asleep on defense. He's not a physical presence. And, you know, you hate to see it. For me, as a development coach, you look at a kid like that and you go, gosh, I would just love to have so many players with that physical stature, with those long arms and that 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 size and – athleticism but he just it, it just hasn't worked right four years he just hasn't turned out to be a dynamic player he's had some really good moments he's had some good moments he just has not became a consistent player and I think that that has a lot to do with upstairs I think mentally there's something missing there and I don't think it's the tools I actually think he works on his game I don't think he's a bad kid I think he's a hard worker um, uh, maybe he doesn't put in the extra time like look I mean I shot a ton of shots all the time, you know, at the factory, the owner always says, man, you could really shoot. I go, well, yeah, I really shot a lot. <laughs> you, know, you can shoot a lot of shots. You sometimes become a better shooter. Um, this team worries me because of what you said with the rebounding. Yes. Rebounding worries me. Play guard position worries me. I just don't think Jones is creative enough. You got to be creative. You got to be able to do different things off the ball screen. Joan wants to set a million ball screens. You got to be able to split it sometimes. If they go under, you got to hit a three. You got to be able to keep your dribble alive and be creative and make a couple moves. He's only had a few instances, Brent, where he went off the screen, 
you know, held the guy behind him, the guard, and then kind of like went in and out cross and got to the rim. You, you just don't see him do that very often, though. He's made a couple of really nice pocket passes, but then he turns the ball over a lot. He's just not very creative, and he also doesn't handle pressure well. That really worries me because the games he's going to run into this year, when you play Purdue and their pressure comes on, you're going to feel it. And, hey, Illinois, they got really good guards. Indiana's going to have some good guards. Maryland's got a, a really good guard still. They got their point guard back. That has got to change, or they are not going to be great in the regular season. I'm just hoping this year, Brent, they really have a, a process of getting better with time. Houston really comes into his own. I knew this was going to happen a little bit, though. I mean, Brent, I thought – I said this to you and said to a lot of people, I didn't think – they. I don't think they're going to win the Big Ten this year. I think they're going to go into March – and hopefully win the Big Ten tournament or something like that, and then try to make a run and get to the Final Four. I mean, that's the goal at Michigan now. You know, we don't play for regular season championships. We're not like Michigan State. We want to get to the Final Four. You know, like, that's the goal. Jawan Howard knows that because that was his goal. Like, Jawan Howard, as much as he's doing the cabbage patch with that banner, <laughs> you know, it's nice to win it, but he's thinking national championship. He's thinking about getting five stars, and we got to get talented kids to win a national championship. That's what he's thinking about. That's where it's different than at basketball. You, your regular season just prepares you for March. You know, and, and let's end on that, Brandon. I mean, would you agree that this team just has to get better the next few months? Just get better little by little, improve those things that you're talking about, and then we can still make a March run. Can this team make a March run, one, and two, What's some other things you you really need to see besides just the rebounding and point guard position? So yes, they, they can make a run because you have you you do have elite scorers on the team, right? And what what what's going to take a long time is the reason why last year's team was good. You had seen you had a lot of seniors, right, that understood defensive concepts, and that's where this team's struggling a lot. Is like. To me, it, it's the whole communication on defense because we have communication breakdowns. We don't always know where the help side is supposed to come from or we can just be off the ball too easily. Where like when you had Shawnee Brown and Isaiah Livers and even Austin Davis moving his feet out there. Like you had these seniors and Grant Shawnee Brown's a transfer, but he was always known for his defense. You had guys that understood the defensive concepts. Well, these young kids have always they've been able to get by because they've just been so good offensively, and they're more athletic than the high school kids. That they could be sloppy at times and still do enough to win the games. Well, you can't do that in the Big Ten. You have to be sound, and that's why we were so good last year. Is because remember all those games we won by thirty points. Most of those guys, most of those offenses were starting their offense at half court with yep. Mike Smith all over him, Eli Brooks all over him. Then they try to pass it to the wing and Shawnee Brown sprinting up, Isaiah Livers, Franz Wagner getting in passing lanes and getting out and getting easy transition buckets. I, that, that's the biggest thing for me is it's going to take time because they these young kids have to learn how to play defense. They they've, been th do. they've been such great offensive players that they have to understand how to actually play defense and where they're supposed to be and who they're supposed to hit. So once they figure that out, I like my goal is that we compete and we're in the top th 
top four. I'd be happy with yeah. top four of the conference this year. Sure. And then make a huge run, right, towards the end of the year to get to that top four. Boom, all of a sudden the Big Ten tournament comes because, honestly, let me ask you, what, what would you rather win? The regular season championship or the Big Ten tournament? Oh, you know, I I don't know. Like, for me, that's a really tough question. I, I say the Big Ten tournament just because, you know, I, I think that basketball is a tournament feel. College basketball is all about those weekend games. When, when you have to play well and, like, like these – these road games in the Big Ten are brutal, but they, but it's not reality. It, it's it's not what it's gonna be like in the end. Like you know, Big Ten tournament is more realistic. If yes. you're slowing at the end of the year, you start winning a couple games back to back. You're confident. Your team's hitting shots. You 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 just have this aura about you, right? March Madness. The reason why we call it that is because it is maddening. You know, you, you might suck all year, and all of a sudden it just clicks. Yeah, basketball isn't football. You can't play football the whole year like basketball. You're gonna get ran off the field because it's a physical, imposing, tough game in football. Where if you're online, just can't figure it out. You're going to get punished. You're going to get – we've seen it in Michigan football. They're, this all line sucks. We can't protect the quarterback. We can't run the ball. We're going to get hammered. Yeah. In basketball – Go six and six, win a bowl game, and who cares? You're not competing yeah. for anything. Yeah, yeah you know, in, in basketball, you know, this is a prime example. It, it's my sophomore year in high school. You might remember this. You know, we're playing a school, and I'm not going to say the name because, you know, it's – Let's just leave that out. <laughs> We're playing a school that is a lot better than us. Just so much better than us. And, you know, we go into March and we just kind of felt good about the game. We felt like a few of our guys could hit some shots and make some things happen. And boom, we won. And and, and we were a 10 and 10 team and they were like 19 and one. It isn't like football. It's just not basketball is if one or two guys starts making plays, hitting shots, and, and then it all of a sudden turns into three or four guys, you got something rolling. And this team has enough talent where if that clicks, then they're going to be dangerous. It's going to be hard to beat them. You got a big guy who's an All-American still who's going to be in the NBA. You got a young kid like Diabate who's incredibly talented. You've got Houston who's incredibly talented. You have Eli Brooks who's a leader, a veteran. And then you have a bunch of other pieces that need to just play well. Now, if one of those guys that I didn't mention in that group of people starts really clicking, Seth Jackson, Frankie Collins, Jones, he figures it out, you got something. So, you know, with basketball, it's different. But you hit the nail on the head, my friend. Defensively, schematically, they got a lot of issues. They don't close out on shooters very well. They don't dig and recover. Uh, they get lost sometimes, and they don't finish the play with a rebound. They don't make contact. They don't hit, hold, and get and, and, you know, it's a problem. And I think Jawan, this is interesting. I know we're kind of going on here, Brent, but I know that we could talk about this to her blue in the face. I think this is one team Jawan might need to play a little more full court trap. He did it a little bit against Seton Hall, and it really worked. When you got Frankie Collins and Jones, they're better defenders at that type of stuff where they can read. Like Jones is an amazing anticipator. That's where he excels. He excels in the wing getting steals. You put 
Eli on the ball or a bigger guy like they used to put Franz up front. Like if you put Diabate on the top of that trap, you know, this team actually could be better at that than any team he's had so far. And it, and it works with that group. When you got Diabate, Brooks, Jones, Terrence Williams, and then just put Hunter somewhere out there in the back, or even Brandon Johns, you know, let Brandon Johns just kind of be an athlete. I think he needs to do it more. Their half-court zone sucks. <laughs> they are terrible so far as a, in the half-court and the zone. We hate zone, Brent. When they run the zone, it looks bad. Like, then they really can't rebound. Because you know what the hardest thing to do in rebounding is when you run a zone? Because you're find already somebody. Yeah. You got to find somebody. Well, I'm in my area. No, fuck that. Go hit somebody. Yeah. I mean, this is this is coaching talk one-on-one. I mean, dude, it's so terrible running a zone with the rebounding. It's brutal because you're running around trying to find someone. You don't even know what guy to get. It's a nightmare. And with young kids that they have in this team, they got to be an aggressive trapping team. I love when Juwan goes zone and then they pass it twice and then they go back to man. He's a really good coach at that. He's taught those guys how to do it. And they do a fantastic job of that. But my goodness, there's a lot of problems there. They're young. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, I'm looking forward to March in basketball always. You know, that's how we roll. I mean, we we think about the big picture. But we got a big-time game this weekend, man, of football. You know, we'll, the next – we got plenty of time to talk hoops. Um, football excited this weekend, 8 p.m. Saturday, Iowa – I'll probably get with Brent again uh, this week. Uh, make sure you guys post this. It should be a good show. This is going to be a lot of fun here. And, oh, my goodness, breaking news. LSU to hire Brian Kelly as the head coach. Notre Dame's all-time women's coach. <laughs> oh, 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 talk about your all-time backfires. Never saw that one coming. Never saw that one coming. I never saw it coming. God, how much money did they pay that sucker? Uh, it's, north of, north, it's north of $100 million. Oh, my God. Did you just – it went over my screen, breaking news, Brian Kelly. Yeah, Lincoln Riley got Lincoln Riley got a ton of money, too. I mean, nobody wanted Mel Tucker. Let's just be honest. I mean – Lincoln Riley, Lincoln Riley got uh, over $110 million. He had two houses in, in Norman, Oklahoma. <laughs> USC bought both those houses at $500,000, which was more than the houses were. So that's another plus $1 million. They're buying him a home in L.A. for $6 million. And him and his family have 24-7 access to a private jet. My God. I mean, we, you know, I want to say we got that's in the wrong a deal. field. That's you know, a deal. I, I remember – when a few friends of mine, when I coached, said, hey, do you need a new washer and dryer? I thought that was absolutely fantastic. I thought that was, hey, you want me to buy you lunch? Hey, uh, actually, no, what I'm going to need is I'm going to need a, a house on Farwell Lake. Uh, I'm going to need, <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, geez, oh, Pete, it's, it's just, and all, NIL is going to be crazy, guys. NIL with coaches' money and people that are allowed to throw around their cash that they have. It's going to be insane, Brent. Like, people don't know what – college sports is insanity. Like, there are people all across this state, Michigan, who want to throw millions of dollars 
to players and coaches, millions. Eventually, it's going to turn into, I'm going to give the school a billion dollars. I, I mean, that's where we're at. Like, Michigan has a ton of donors. Michigan State has Matt Ishbia, who is becoming, like, the face, right? And, and right. he's becoming, like, an insane staple in our community in the sports world, which is awesome. That's It's great to see. Congratulations. Michigan has tons of donors. So what's happening is when – I had this argument with a friend. He's like, oh, you know, the, the powers to be are dead. I go, not with NIL, not with NIL, because USC, Michigan, Notre Dame, the Oklahomas, the LSUs, the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Texas, those are big names with huge alumni. Miami is the one that's weird. Like something has to give at Miami. Something has to give where people want to donate money. But but my one other friend said a great point. He goes, the communities or the places where it really pops are like those middle ground places. Like LSU, only show in town. Only show in town. Oklahoma, only show in town. USC is not the only show in town. People don't, you know, like it's going to be huge still for him to take over the Pac-12. But it ain't like Bama. It ain't like Georgia, dude, rent. Georgia's quarterback signed a million dollar deal with Zaxby's, and he's not even their quarterback anymore. <laughs> you know, <laughs> coming into the year, the Georgia people freak out over their team. I mean, isn't this crazy though? Like, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in shock with the Brian Kelly thing, dude. I can't believe this. Yeah, that, remember at the start of the show, I said coaching carousel today. <laughs> so did, wait, did you know something I didn't know? Cause I thought this was just now. Well, about, I don't know, 40 minutes before we got on, I saw it and you it was, he was bitch. rumored. He was rumored to take it. Dude. I can't believe, honestly, I'm a sandbagging son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Notre Dame rehires Charlie Weiss. <laughs> Mark D'Antonio, you know, what would be great. If Mark D'Antonio went to Notre Dame, I know that's a, a shot. Just a, you know, who, that, like, you know, dude, I'm sorry we're talking here, Brian. I know you, you got to go. What time do you usually go to bed? Around 11 o'clock, I imagine. Yeah. I know we're, I know we're long winded here, but this is fun. Coaching carousel. We're, we're going to talk about this. I want to know really where does Notre Dame and Oklahoma go? Like, this is what freaking happens, man, to programs like Michigan. We've seen this and how brutal it was. And why I kind of understand why people are like, don't let Harbaugh go because this is going to suck if we do. Yeah, because you, know you know where Rich Rod just signed? I don't know, Hanover Horton? <laughs> <laughs> I, think it was like, I think it was Jacksonville State, the team that no, beat Florida no. State. He's still Louisiana Monroe or some shit, yeah. He's, yeah. he's he just signed. He just signed today with like Jacksonville State or something. Oh, is he? Did he take Deion Sanders' job at Jacksonville? No, State? not Jacksonville State. Uh, the the FCS school that beat Florida State this year. Oh, so he's Jackson, maybe Jacksonville State or something? Or no, it not is Jacksonville oh. State. Yeah, yeah. How does this guy get jobs? So yeah, but he's also now in the FCS. <laughs> John L. Smith is his offensive coordinator. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, dude, but I'm gonna tell you something, man. You know how I get with the Michigan State people, but I, I got news for everybody in Michigan State. I said this. People are getting really butt hurt by me saying this, but 
I think Mel Tucker's a bust, man. I, I just don't see it. I don't see him. Like, and look, people said Jim Harbaugh was a bust. That's cool. Like, Jim Harbaugh, I understand the fact of that he was in a Super Bowl and people expected him to win, like, nine national championships. That's not how this thing works. And people also don't realize he took over a program that was in dire need of a makeover. This wasn't Michigan football like a great program. This was a great brand that was, it was stinking almost destroyed. It was a destroyed brand by a coach who was a complete fraud in Rich Rodriguez. And Brady Hope just did not have the muscle and the mind to get him back to where they needed to be. Brady Hope brought back some positive energy, but he just isn't an elite coach. Brady Hope is a positional coach. That's what he is. He's a defensive line coach. He's a really good football mind in some ways at his position. He's not a head coach of a program. It's just not him, you know, and, and when we brought him on, it felt good to have a Michigan man, but there was a lot of doubt because look at the resume. Jim Harbaugh came in with an incredible resume, NFL quarterback, coaching at the 49ers, multiple championships, you know, or divisional championships, I should say. And he was in a Super Bowl. That's a big difference than having Able Mel to beat Oregon at their peak. Yes, bringing a Stanford program, an amazing feel about their football team. And Oregon Oregon was amazing at that time. I mean, dude, we're just chopping it up, talking about this stuff. Jim Harbaugh, the expectations were insane, insane. And and it's like when I tell people this, they don't get it. They they go, well, your, your your fan base doesn't write your checks, man. Any one of us can say anything we want. I mean, I, I've probably said 500 things about Michigan football in the last 500 days. It doesn't matter what the hell I say. It matters what your administration does and what your coaching staff looks like and what your culture is. Like, a, a Michigan State fan could say, Michigan hasn't won in 25 years. They suck. You guys are trash. Jim Harbaugh's a loser. He's won 10 games four years now. I, I, I mean – I don't love the guy, but he's done pretty good. And now he finally got over the hump. I mean, you, you can't think, have it both ways. I think the best thing you've said is Mel Tucker, it seems and it feels a lot like Brady Hoke's first year. A lot of home games, not a lot of difficult road games. You win 10 and you get the whole fan base behind you. I think that was like the best thing you said about Mel Tucker. It's very similar to a Brady Hoke scenario. I think he inherited some decent players from Mark D'Antonio. He hated a lot of them. A lot of them left. He's trying to change the culture when the culture was just bad those last two years. Other than that, Mark did a pretty good job. You know, you can't be dominant at Michigan State anyway. It's just not good enough of a brand. You can win some championships there. Mark D'Antoni approved that, but here's the other thing. The, the conference wasn't as good then. It's not an excuse. It's true. Ohio State was in shambles. They 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 had the one crap year because they had all these allegations and the tattoo parlor junk and the car salesman crap. And Luke Fickle went into a nightmare, and he went 6-6. Six and six. Michigan State dealt with Ohio State coming into Urban Meyer taking over a scandalous program, and then he got made it more scandalous, and they just didn't get caught, or they just swept it under the rug. Michigan State had a perfect opportunity where your rival is dog crap in Michigan, 
And Mark D'Antonio took advantage of it. You have to take advantage of the flaws of your rivals. That's just how it goes. But right now, there's no flaws. You're going against Penn State, who just re-signed a coach. You can say he's the worst coach in the country. He's there to stay. And they recruit better than you. You got Ohio State, who is a monster in recruiting. And they're really, really good always. You got Michigan, who now is on the momentum the right way where they're incredible. The Big Ten East division is arguably the best division in college football right now. You are Mel Tucker, and you might not like this, Michigan State fans, but that dude is – this is an uphill battle. Like when you sign a guy like him to, to 10 years and you look at what he's really done, like you got to hope and pray that this thing like, – like I already know, like look, Brent, I – I've been wrong, but I can't possibly see him winning anything at Michigan State. I, I can't see him ever surpassing Michigan overall. Like you can, he's beat him twice. I, I give it to him. You know, we were terrible last year, and we blew it this year against him. And congratulations, like he deserves praise for that. But this is Brady Hoke 2.0. This is Brady Hoke 2.0. He had a very favorable schedule. He had a lot of really good breaks. Anytime they played anyone tough on the road, they got smacked. So, you know, those are all the things that Michigan State people used to rip on Michigan. Well, Brady Hoke had a whole bunch of home games. And, yeah, I guess you guys were right because the next few years we proved it. I think this thing's going to be worse. I think next year they get smacked. I mean, Brent, at Washington, at home against Ohio State. By the way, Illinois is going to be better. Brett Bielema is going to have them better. And he already shocked a few teams this year. That's on the road. He got Wisconsin on the road. He got Michigan. Well, no, Wisconsin home at Penn State at Michigan. Unbelievably brutal schedule. And guess who else they have at home? Minnesota, who had a really good year. I mean, that thing is a nightmare, Brent. It's what are you going to do if you're a Michigan State fan next year, Brent, and your team goes six and six or seven and five? What the hell are you going to do? I can tell you what they're going to do, and it's going to start right now. You start praying that Walker comes back. (laughs) Oh, he ain't coming back. He'd be smart to leave. He should be the – in my opinion, I'd probably take him as the first running back, maybe second. Why would he stay? They just brought in a transfer running back. (laughs) That's true. That's true. (laughs) Wait a minute. You guys are already banking on me leaving? What the fuck? He he won most of their games. Absolutely. And if you don't have him, good night. That's you just pray and hope that somebody goes, you know what? I'm gonna give you ten million dollars just to stay. <laughs> oh, dude, this is what other people also what people don't get. When you Mel Tucker, these are so many good points. And I, I said from day one, I thought Mel Tucker wasn't a very good coach. There was certain things that he has done that give me that reason. Here's when you know your coach is not that great. When you give up 500 freaking passing yards to Purdue, that's when you know your coach kind of isn't all that. I'm sorry, but let's just be honest. That's embarrassing, especially after you just beat your rival like you should be fired up you should be very confident that is incredible when you give up 500 yards by the way 
they used to rave about the Western Kentucky quarterback, who's been great, by the way, but it's still Western Kentucky. You don't give up 400-plus yards passing to Western Kentucky. You get your butt to the quarterback and you kill the guy. That's what you do. This team, when you talk about culture, they don't have one. Like, you can say nice words like culture and tuck coming and keep chopping. They don't have culture. What they have right now is they have a couple things that went their way. They have a couple really talented, skilled players. And they've had a lot of really good home wins against a couple good teams. You beat Penn State in a blizzard when Penn State didn't even probably want to be there. And I argue that if it's in regular playing conditions, they probably would have thrown for 500 yards against you. Those are all facts. Someone said, a Michigan State guy said, well, it was the weather why you guys shut Ohio State down. I go, dude, when it was clear, we beat them worse. Look back and watch the tape. When the snow stops coming, we were beating them worse. And we also threw the ball in the snow, and they did too. They threw for 390 yards. That's what they do. They still threw the ball. It didn't affect them. The weather didn't affect Ohio State, what they do. They threw for 390 yards. <laughs> you know, like people don't know these things. Brady Hoke, in his first year, Brent, you know what his first road game was, what game it was? I don't know if you remember this. He had, what, eight home games that first year? <laughs> Brady Hoke's first road game was at Michigan State, the sixth game of the year. He had five yeah. straight home games. Five straight home games. Michigan State only tough road games this year were in literally one hostile environment. It was Ohio State. Purdue is not a hostile environment. It's just not. It's not. And all and by the way, in his first year, there wasn't a hostile environment because there was no freaking fans. This guy has literally not won a tough road game yet. You don't know. Even Jim Harbaugh used to get ripped for this. Jim Harbaugh, you know when he started getting praised really? Was when they beat Penn State. <laughs> On the road in Happy Valley matters. That's a big win. On the road at Wisconsin matters. That's a big win. This dude has not won one game on the road that you can go, wow. And by the way, he probably could have lost to Indiana on the road this year, but and Indiana was absolute dog crap this year. I think that thing's going to fall off the hinges, Brent. I'm going to laugh every day when it does. I mean, I think they had four wins, right? Five? Mm. I don't even know. I mean, three or four. Yeah, four. I don't know. Against the back. They just stunk up. You know, it's it's like we could go on and on about it, but it's the bottom line is this. Michigan State, you guys are not ready for the big boy table. You are not. Because the big boy table means big boy expectations. And big boy expectations is beating Ohio State and going to Indianapolis. Not winning 10 games. It's – that program will never, ever in my lifetime ever be on Ohio State's level, ever, like ever. Like I will die and you know, I'll go to my dying grave, Brent, saying that. And you want to know why? It's because they don't have the attitude. They don't deserve a seat at the big boy table because they don't know how to act. This is how you act. Let's see how Mel does. I mean, you, you just bounced from Colorado. Hey, people could say things about me personally. I could take it on the chin, Brent. 
Hey, well, let's see what file does. There's a few things I question. Okay, let me prove myself. This dude hasn't proved Jack. He hasn't proved nothing. And your billionaire alum is, <laughs> is doesn't have common sense. Like, there's better coaches than Mel Tucker out there. Like, am I missing something, Brent? Like, I don't think this dude is what they think he is. I really don't. I, I, I think part of it is the fact that I don't think they can get anybody better. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it. Like they see he has success this year and they're like, you know what? We don't want to go through the John L's and everything like that. Bobby Williams, the whoever's right. I think they're like, you know what? He's not bad. You put, he, he has our mentality. Let's just lock him down because there's not, there's not a lot of people that, that, or in coaching, go, man, I'd love to go to Michigan State. If I had the opportunity, I would go to Michigan State. <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? There's a reason why Jawan Howard was crying because he, and he said I'd only coach at one school. I mean, Jawan Howard doesn't have – does not need Michigan. Jawan Howard is an NBA all-star. He's in a different world. Juwan Howard was iconic. He was a teammate of a guy I don't even like, but LeBron James is iconic. Like it or not, he's iconic. Juwan Howard was his teammate. He was on the Miami Heat coaching staff. He did not need Michigan. Michigan needed him as much or more, but Juwan Howard still comes in front of the whole world and says, no, you're wrong. I need Michigan. I need this place. I love this place. That's the difference between Michigan and Michigan State. And Michigan State people get offended by that. Well, act different. Act right. Like, there's a scene in the movie, The Founder, where the McDonald's guy says, you're regional, I'm national. It's the truth. If you want to go and, and, and pay Mel Tucker $95 million, go right ahead. You can say Jim Harbaugh sucks all you want. He's not won much. Jim Harbaugh is a brand. Jim Harbaugh is being talked about in every media network, whether he wins or loses, because he's a brand. Mel Tucker is not a brand. That Tuck Cummins thing is the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. That's the <laughs> dumbest shit I've ever heard. That's even dumber than January, February is, though. That is, like, how much of a loser do you have to be to want a coach to stay so bad who was a loser at a school at, like Colorado. Like, can you imagine Jim Harbaugh? Let's just say Jim Harbaugh is not Jim Harbaugh. He's just a guy named Jim who coached at Colorado. He wouldn't even have a seat in that interview at Michigan. <laughs> yeah, I uh, coached at uh, Utah and I'm five and eight there, but I know I know what I'm doing. I'll change the culture. Get the hell out of my office. Well, I've worked for good coaches. <laughs> you know, I said this to another friend. I mean, we're going off, but I'm just so excited to say these things because we're the Big Ten East champs. Um, there's a lot of people that are coached for good coaches. You know, ask, a, ask a, you know, all like ask Bobby Williams 
you know, you know what his greatest thing is. Yeah, I'm an assistant for Nick Saban. Well, how'd you do at uh, Michigan State? Well, I lost 49 to three to Michigan in 02, and I uh, had Spartan Bob help me beat him the one year. I mean, you can coach as an assistant under Nick Saban all you want. Hell, Brady Hoke was an assistant with Lloyd Carr. How good did he do? He didn't do all that good. Didn't win nothing. Is a difference between being the leader of the show. It's a difference. I mean, dude, me and you, we know it. it's different, ain't it, Brent? It's different when you're the guy. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I w- I kind of wish that we would have did a coin flip. Say, Brent, I think you should take the head coaching job. That's too much pressure. <laughs> <laughs> it's too. It's hard, man. Like I'm a better skills coach assistant. I can still be a head coach, but it's hard, man. It's 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 no freaking joke. You have to win, and when you don't win, you're an asshole. Ask, ask any assistant in the world. It's fun. Dude, it's a blast. It's fun when you're the assistant because, you know, you, you, could, you can build your relationships and kind of, you know, you, you can be joke around or you can be serious or whatever. Um, and as long as you're winning, like, whatever, you know, it's one of those things where when you're the guy, <laughs> You're, the whole perception of you and the team changes. You know what I mean? You know exactly what I mean. Because when you're the assistant, you can you can joke around a little bit and have some fun. But when you're the head coach, you got to be almost business all the time. Like, or all business almost all the time. Because you know that if you lose, it's your fault. 100%. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Well, and, and it's like we used to say when we coached together, you know, I, I – I think you probably mentioned it the same as me. Um, the players are the most important piece of the puzzle. Your players. Always. always. And I question that Mel Tucker really feels that way. Because when you have guys that just leave, and then he's made multiple statements, by the way, that became very, very uh, slap in the face of those kids that signed there. You know, statements like, we're going to, you know, you're going to do it our way. And you're going to, you know, you're going to have to be, you know, a part of this culture this way, or, you know, we'll find someone else. I mean, he's pretty much said it in other words like that. How do you feel of a player where you got a coach who comes in and, and acts like he's bigger because you can't act like that anywhere, but you definitely can't act that way at Michigan state. I mean, the bottom line is Michigan state football it is a program that is fighting always for respect. That's their calling card. Fighting for respect. Michigan doesn't respect us. You don't even respect yourself. You don't even respect yourself because you're basically saying, we will pay a coach and celebrate things that aren't even titles and championships, yet we'll make fun of Michigan. And I love the Michigan State fans who say, Hey, Michigan, you know, you're, it's your stupid fan base that has high expectations. Well, what would you rather have, low expectations or high expectations? I would rather have a fan base like Michigan's who expects the world to happen than a fan base that goes, hey, great job, Jim. You know, I love those 10 wins every year. Just keep getting your ass kicked by Ohio State because you won 10 games. That's not how it works. Well, you tried <laughs> hard. Good job. <laughs> Here's your 95 mil extension. I mean – Dude, it's incredible to me. I'm looking forward to next year when we have this conversation again when they're three and four. And I get to sit here and I get to tell some of our friends, I told you so. I told you so. 
And by the way, I also will say this. Don't judge because this is what you signed up for. This is what you wanted. Michigan fans had to wait seven years. You're going to have to wait because Jim Harbaugh, it finally clicked, Brent. Like, look, man, he had some good years, some really good years, and they were right there, and they were a spot call away from already winning what we wanted them to win. But it didn't happen. It was seven years. Rich Eisen said today, I waited seven years for this. Michigan State, are you willing to wait seven years for a coach that you overpaid? Ah, I wonder, Brent. I wonder. I don't think they are. I don't think they're ready for this conversation. I don't know. I mean, their expectations aren't very high, so they might be just, they might be happy. <laughs> Every year they'll be like, hey, 10 wins, 10 wins, tuck taking our money. No, I, I think if he gets to like seven and five, they'd be all right. <laughs> as long as they beat Michigan, it doesn't really matter. I mean, they could be one and eleven every year as long as they beat Michigan. You know, I, I, I mean, it's like it's almost like I think they forget the point when when Michigan says we prepare all year for Ohio State. Well, number one, it's the last game of the year, and we're preparing for a championship. <laughs> It's a different than we're not just preparing, like we're not sitting on our ass eating sandwiches for 11 weeks and then, you know, oh, it's the 12th week, let's get ready. You know, I what, think someone what, needs to. Re- what did they say in January? What have you done today to beat Ohio State? Yeah. 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 Michigan State says they don't respect us. <laughs> well, get off your ass and stop eating sandwiches and lift weights harder. You know, and hey, they they won this year. I, I, I want to end on that. Michigan State, look, man, you guys won. You beat Michigan. It's the only loss. And you should be proud of that because you lost to the number two team in the country. <laughs> you lost to the number two team in the country. Congratulations, Michigan State. But, um, Brent, I, uh, you know, these shows are always carrying on. We can talk all the time. Uh, we will get back on soon. It's always fun, man. I'm just so glad. Always glad when we could do this. I, I, we're going to start transitioning to Michigan Outsiders. So if you guys, uh, I'll tell you to fast forward because I know people don't want to listen to a long show, obviously. We'll get all the bells and whistles and we'll grow this thing. But um, I'm ready for this weekend, man. I'm so glad you got to take in the Michigan win. Uh, you're good luck, man. I guess you got to go to Columbus next year and and take that trip and get things thrown at you by those jerk offs. I already so, told my wife I'm going. Tell you what, man, I might be able to go next year. I got to, I got to take this in. Brent was right. He told me I had zero faith. I didn't have faith. It's a new day, man. It's a new day. I, I got to have the faith now. And when you beat Ohio state, you do what this program has done. Uh, we all got to stick together on this one, man. That's big time stuff would just beat Iowa though. I think we should have some revenge for Iowa, right? 2016 was a little hurtful. Um, that was a bad game. Were you there at my house watching that? Yep. I think you were. Oh my yep. god! I will not talk to you Saturday. I just <laughs> very very superstitious. I'm the bad luck guy. Uh, but thanks again for uh, listening, guys. Again, we're transitioning, trying to start something new with Michigan Outsiders with all the inside info. Uh, but this is a life of all podcast. We'll uh, continue these shows. Brent, hail to the victors, my friend. It feels good, doesn't it? Everything's right in the world. Everything is right in the world. Thanks again for tuning in to Life Ball Podcast. Share this, like, comment, please. And uh, we'll talk some more uh, Michigan Big Ten championship game this Saturday. Thanks for tuning in.